You're very welcome along to Craggy Island Rugby, episode 24. The lads are here. We'll introduce them in a second. Let's take you through the game. Connacht versus Munster. Could they end a 29-year wait for a victory? Look, you know already they didn't. Here it is. Okay, William, 20 minutes in, we're down 7-3. Um, what do you think? It's been a reasonable sort of start. They uh, only had one major attack monster and they scored a try, very easy try. Uh, we're being struggling very badly at the breakdown. They're gaining a lot of yardage there. We've lost the ball, knocked it forward three or four times in contact. And um, it still looks a very uphill task. We are sticking at it. We're competing well in the scrums. Uh, it's a very low-key game so far, although there's a very decent crowd in here making a bit of noise. But it's very half-paced. Yeah, let's see how we go by half-time. OK, William, it's half-time. It's still 7-3. What are your thoughts? Oh, we had a better 20 minutes there. Um Munster seem to increase the pace of their game the minute they get over the halfway line. Any other position on the pitch, they, they just seem content to let us have the ball. Uh, we've contested quite well. We've lost three line-outs out of the last five. Um, we're doing okay, and it's all... Been, it was all being played in Munster's half. The wind, however, has turned around, so it's going to be interesting in the second half because they might be able to push us back. But so far, they've they've played well. I was looking for a performance, and we've had one. Yeah, agreed. I think Healy's played very well, and, and uh, Buckley's turned over three brilliant balls in, in the loose. Um, and we seem to be able to compete with them in the contact area that we struggled in early on in the game. So, interesting to see how we get on in the second half. Okay, William, we're on just come up to 59 minutes. Munster leading 14 6, so it's double scores from the first half. And we've just kicked the ball dead from a penalty. Not looking good. No, I'm afraid it isn't. Um, it was a well worked pushover try by Munster. Bit soft our end. We've made a few substitutions. But they're just, they're just playing so well within themselves and speeding it up when they need it. We've competed again quite well. Uh, referee's been annoying the locals considerably but uh, I've no problems with Mr Hodges um, but it's, it's, it's still very very hard work yeah I, I, I don't even see us getting a bonus point here I'm not sure we'll, we'll be able to deny them a bonus point at this stage ok William that's it 42-20 that's a bit of a hammer and we did well to get to 20 Yes, yeah, another one of these uh, really strange rugby weekends. 38 each draws yesterday, 42-20s here. Strange game. I mean, Munster just upped the pace six or seven times, and the rest of it was sort of, uh, wouldn't quite play the walking pace. We got very sloppy at the end there. I mean, the, the last two Munster tries were embarrassing. Um, but that is a hammering, and it just shows the gap between the top of the and where we're operating which is in the middle end of the league It's 8.30 in the Radisson Hotel and uh, that's what they call Earth Hour I think here Yeah, the Radisson Hotel in Limerick, Rob just to make sure we know where we are Yeah, but it is Earth Hour, yes Craggy Island is on the road, William Davis 
Yeah, fantastic. They've just switched all the lights off. We're sitting around with candles. What absolute tosh. <laughs> William, it's, it's saving the planet. It's good for the planet. Yeah, I can see the polar bears there. They're going, way. <laughs> Just, just so we don't list, alienate half our listenership, we won't go any further in William's thoughts on climate change. Dave, how are you? I'm good. I would like to point. I would like to point out that this is the lighting most pubs use after eight o'clock anyway to kind okay. of create the mood. So it's not so much Earth Hour as it's gone past eight o'clock hour. Let me just tell you that this week we're going to be talking about Dan McFarland leaving Connacht for Glasgow. We're going to be talking about Pat Lamb's fine and the fallout from that. We're going to be talking about the injury crisis. Saturday night. It's quite a lively place. I think the Cavan football team in there could be the hurling team. I don't know. But they are all watching Dublin versus Turkey. So don't play hurling in Cavan, do they? There was a great tweet where Usain Bolt had a hurley a few years or a few months ago and uh, you know the GA tweeted out, here's Usain Bolt with a hurley and then he goes, Can anyone else come up with strange places they've seen hurleys? And someone goes, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Which is a long way of leading into well you've just heard the lads uh, dissection of the game and uh, William I'm sure you know you were probably more positive in those few clips than you were uh, in between because it wasn't an easy game to watch for Connick, but the only thing that made it a little bit easier was we expected as much uh, we did we got what, exactly what I expected um, it was a strange game I said it in the initial pieces on the terrace Munster just did enough when they had to they upped the pace they were in the 22 seven times scored four tries I think if you don't count the two funny tries at the end uh, they, they, all, they didn't treat it like a training game but it never got above very mundane stuff and they, they just seemed to think they were going to win it and from the time they scored the first try they were yeah that's an interesting point about the pace of the game because it just after all the few weeks of like highs and lows in rugby we've been watching and like I'm not just talking about the obvious Six Nations crazy day I'm talking about as well Cardiff uh, three, three weeks ago you know seemed like a different uh, league altogether today there was just Connick never got going I put it to Pat Lamb that in the first half and early in the second half in the first 50 minutes Connick visited to 22 four times of really promising possession knocked it on three times gave away a penalty another time yeah, but it goes back to it's a bit it's a bit like that that January break. We've only ever won two games on the weekend after the Six Nations. Last year was the first was the first time we'd won, and that was against or the second time we won it against the Dragons. And the only other one we had was against the Borders. Well, what like do you have any kind of theory? I'm not expecting you to have the definitive answer of why it is that we come out so flat. I, I mean, this is yeah. I haven't I haven't a clue. Okay, you just I, I just give stats. Don't ask yeah, me to explain them. I just, just haven't a clue. We tend to again, we tend to do well the next week along, yeah. and, and you know, as it's I probably as well then to have this monster fixture because this is the one fixture that we all knew really unlikely. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, as as our line was on the terrace, to, to it, as we said it quite loudly, we were, we were preparing for Europe. Mm. Um, did didn't go down very well. <laughs> <laughs> But the only thing that didn't go down very well with the Munster fans today, although they weren't too happy with Leighton Hodges at times. But. God almighty, they really gave him dog's abuse at times. And it's funny in the press box where we are, Dave, because the lads were across the far side on the terrace. That's what you were listening to earlier. We were in the press box right in the front row of the opposite stand uh, to where the players' tunnel is. And the fans are just two rows back and you hear everything. I was, uh, for, for a second, I thought, I thought I was trying to work out why there was a guy behind me for a provincial or national newspaper completely losing in the plot until I turned around and realised he was 
actually a fan. It's a really <laughs> weird experience. Um, you're lucky. You're up, well. You're not lucky. You're over in the main stand. I can't. The press box is behind the clan. This is in the which sports is, club, which yeah. is you get to hear everything, but it's not. It's a very un, it's unsettling when it's coming over your shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's hard to explain. But you kind of I, I recommend people do it. Is just see the difference between if you think there's abuse, go stand behind a guy and then stand in front of a guy who's hurting abuse at something or anything. It is a completely different experience. Yeah, that's a good point. But to get back to the match, I wonder if this if we went into it with the thing and. Anything we get out of this game is a bonus, and I wonder if that was there in the mindset from from two three weeks ago. And I just think that they played well up until the point where they knew they were getting. They played no, they didn't play well. They played adequately up until the point where they realised we're netting nothing out of this game, and then they just fell apart. And there's injuries, there's illness, there's poor discipline. But I wonder if mentally they thought we never win in Thomond. If we get a bonus point, we're lucky. But once they thought the chance of a bonus point was gone, they, they there were sparks. It wasn't complete disaster. It wasn't roll over and let your t- get your tummies tickled. But the last three tries were were all ridiculous. I mean, the last five tries were all ridiculous. Never mind. And it just seems to me like they went in there thinking we'd get a bonus point. And the thing was, at seven six, they could have. At twenty one thirteen, they could have. But they then went immediately after this when they did something stupid. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is my uh, ninth visit to Thomond. Mm-hmm. I would have described that as pretty much an average Connacht display. Yeah, there has uh, actually been worse, folks. Yeah, there has. Uh, George, Nio- George, George Nobo had another nightmare today. I don't know, he just comes to Thomond Park. The whole setup of the game was to do with the pace that it was played. A lot of it was played between the two uh, 22s. So there was just an awful lot of nothing happening. Well, both sides didn't. Their line, both both lineups didn't function in the first half. Did no, uh, they didn't, and it, it was. It, it's just. It was like it was preordained that both sides knew exactly what was going to happen. Munster knew they would win. We knew we were going to lose, and they just did enough without even looking really bothered about the entire game. Munster just said, "Yeah, we're going to get a bonus point win," and. 42-20 and goodbye and good night. And it was um, I, I, I don't know. It's it's another season gone by without an away win against an interprovincial oh, yeah. opponent. Time Wait. for the stat again. I think we're at 39 in a row now since the uh, Donnybrook victory in 2002. Yeah, um, one draw on there. Was there a draw? Munster away. Paul Burke kicked a penalty in the ninth minute of injury time in Musgrave Park. Disgraceful decision. Oh, so, well, I'd have to say... I, 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 <laughs> I've I even stretched William's memory. That's how obscure that memory is. Well, that, 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 that is an obscure one, but that's another season gone by with that issue, so... Uh, yeah, but remember, we've got our 30-year cycle. Oh, we yeah. won in Tolman Park in 56. Or in, 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 I can't remember if it was Tolman Park or Cork, but we definitely won in Munster in 56. We won in 86. Next year... Kind of like Tottenham fans cycle. going on about their FA Cup runs <laughs> that come every year. <laughs> and I would also point out that uh, next week, Rodney, we'll all be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to park the Munster match right there. And parking a match seems to be something we talk about quite probably a little bit too often uh, this season but anyways uh, that one is gone it's done and dusted I think it's where we thought it would be lots have happened over the last few weeks I'm going to go to Dave Finn to update us on the news around Connacht Rugby the stuff that we've missed to talk- in talking about on a few la- last few of our podcasts ok right so since last we talked we have seen 
Uh, Dan McFarlane confirmed as leaving Connacht. He's, as far as we know, he's moving to Glasgow as a number two. That's 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 it. So we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, we forgot to mention prior to this that Pat Lamb is signed a three-year contract. We've, that's one of our inexcusable. Uh, <laughs> it happened in one of the breaks. We were caught up with other stuff. <laughs> it's something we should have said. He has signed a three-year contract to stay with us. We have seen. Um, we've signed a new number seven, who's has Napier Fox Matumaha. I think I'll have to check the, the next, the exact spelling of that. He's an NPC player from Auckland. Pat's worked with him in the past. He hasn't so far. He hasn't played for the Blues. He's just coming from the NPC. And uh, oh yeah, Ireland won the Six Nations. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, the men won as well, so that was good too. Yeah, that's good. Um, leave that aside, Williams. Let's where to start. Oh, you also forgot that Pat Lamb in a post-game press conference against Cardiff may have said something that we missed uh, about Leighton Hodges. We, I think the one thing we didn't do was miss it. I think we can safely say we didn't miss it at all. In fact, some people may have caught an awful lot more of it than they really should have. <laughs> <laughs> and with, with regards to that, he uh, ended up getting fined, Alan. Euros. So maybe we'll start with that. 5,000 of which was suspended. Did, did that end the way you expected it to end? And is it done and dusted? We saw Leighton Hodges do what we can only describe as, at worst, a very fair game today. I, How would that assuming, be at worst? I, I, yeah, I, I assume it is done and dusted at this stage. Um, you know, it's fair enough. You expect these guys to close ranks around the referees. You know, whether we like it or not, the game can't be played without them. Um, we do need them, and Hodges is not one of the worst referees out there. Uh, even though, if you're reading message boards, you wouldn't have thought that uh, that was the case. I thought he was relatively okay today. The Monster fans weren't particularly pleased with him. Um, we were standing about, I don't know, five, six yards below where Pat Lamb was today, and that's probably as quiet as I've heard him at a match. He seemed very controlled, so very in control of what he was doing. Because um, we've, we've been close enough to him before, where we can, you know, he gets, he can get excited about how things are going and get frustrated by things, which is only natural. It was, it was great to see him in much more control. Maybe, maybe that's that's helped. William, do you agree with the? Not agree. That's not the point. Really, it doesn't really matter. But do, do you understand their decision? Would you have any kind of frustration at the fact that Pat Lamb got fined for what he said? Um, I'd like to know, was he fined for bringing up the laptop? And showing people the referee's or line's person as he was yeah, on that day's he error. Could have been fine for that, but or was it because we heard about the car park incident? Um, if it's the latter, I don't have a huge problem with it. But as I said in the last podcast, we're not going to be really told what went on at this, and it's gone. It's just going to hang around there. If it's going to make it a little difficult for him again, he he, he talked about the processes of this uh, after he was fined. And by process, you mean, in this case, processes in how to give feedback to the referees and, and get, uh, give feedback from them? Yeah, uh, and I'll, have a, I'll broach a very simple question. What do we have to do to get Nigel Owens to referee a Connacht match? He did the uh, Leinster-Glasgow game last night. I think that's about his fifth trip to Ireland this year to do a Pro 12 game. He had an excellent game. We just... He doesn't seem to be on our radar, and I'll be interested to see who we have refereeing us against Ulster. Because is it going to be an Irish referee, or are we going to get a non-national referee for that game? I'll answer William's question. If we get a non-national, I hope it's Matria. Um, agree. I think I am. I am. I'm, or Nigel Owen. Or Nigel Owen. I am surprised at that at that uh, punishment for pass because. 
there's an awful lot of me thinking they've let him off. They've let him off. They've basically said you cannot you cannot publicly criticise a referee in that way again. But if they had really, really, really wanted to go to town on them, they would have suspended him from the sideline. They would have imposed the full eight grand, and they would have definitely uh, they may have, it would have made a substantial fine, like up into up towards twenty twenty five grand. I have a feeling that is the principle of him raising issues about a referee is what they find him for. But they didn't have a huge fundamental problem with what with, with the bit that William was worried about. That's why I think they suspended it. I think he is in my because. It had been verified or whatever. Which is why I think he has been effectively fined three grand for public for, for airing dirty washing in public. Bringing is, a laptop yeah. in and showing. No, 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 no. I think it's oh, to do. I think it's to do with the. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, um, which is why I think the th- which I think is perfectly fine. But if you think it's if you if they felt he was questioning the integrity of an official, which he was, then there's no easy way that. I am amazed that they find him guilty and basically give him. It's 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 a, it's a lot of money. I mean, I don't want to. I've never want to be a situation I have to hand over three grand. But relatively speaking, it's a slap on the wrist, and that's what amazes me. Because if they really thought he had really wronged Clayton Hodges, and he he certainly, yeah, you could argue that he very much has three grand fine, which is effectively what it is if he if he keeps his nose clean, which the boys say he will, seems very light. All right. Well, there's also the issue that was mentioned but never explained that he had a sort of a suspended sentence hanging over him from last season for some other issue about something that was said about a referee. I, I don't. I don't know what that was. It's time to move on. Uh, um, and as uh, as Dave says, it's probably more to do with just the, the car park situation. Look, if they looked at the video, they can't say that what he said, anything he said was wrong about what happened. But that's now water under the bridge. It's over. Pat Lamb is our coach for the next three seasons. Dan McFarland has left to join Glasgow as an assistant coach. Same role as obviously with Connacht. Should be noted though, Gregor Townsend, where Vernon Carter is going to be after the World Cup. There are some issues there. So, you know, who knows? He could, he could make a quicker step up in Glasgow uh, than he likely will. Maybe we'll talk about the two together. The management situation going forward. McFarland has done some incredible work. He's going to be a big loss. Pat Lamb has done some incredible work, I think we'll all agree. We're sixth in the table. We're close to winning 50% of our games in the season. Can he carry it on, losing a huge, uh, what's the word, chess piece like uh, Dan McFarland? Yeah, it depends on who he brings in. Does he promote from within? Is he going to keep hold of Brett Wilkinson? Is he going to use Swifty? Is he going to keep guys who've been, you know, learned all their trade under Dan, who is, a, as we know, a fantastic coach? Like, it's a huge loss for us. Um, I'm hoping that he's going to Glasgow because he sees that, as, a, as you say, a quick step into a, into a top job. Like, I know Vern Cotter is only, is only uh, contracted to the end of the World Cup. So there could be an opening there for Gregor Towns, and then you could you could see it last night. Like the way Glasgow played for oh, quite a long amazing. time last night was was phenomenal. Stuff. We've lifted the whole Pro 12 over the last three years with some of the performance. Certainly, we're lifting the competition before the new comp- new qualification structure gave it a massive boost this year. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And they, they play a fabulous fabulous type of rugby, and, and there's obvious there's obvious talent there um, in Scotland. And if if he's going to move on, and then Dan can get a get a, a, a top job in in Scotland, it would be uh, it'd be great to see him doing so well. Oh, yeah, I agree with the lads. I am slightly disappointed. I mean, 
on face value, the first time you hear it is, is you're losing your number two and he's moving to a better club. That's fine. That's what happens. But he's moving as a number two and you're thinking, oh, there was a tiny part of me thinking, that's a surprise. It was almost like, that's a surprisingly lack of ambition. But if, as the boys say, there's a case that Cotter is only there till the World Cup, and the logical thing at the moment is that if you've got so many Glasgow backs, and Glasgow backs are playing fabulously in the Scottish system, it makes sense that you would then bring a coach who can teach them both defence and offence, because Scotland can't defend at the moment. They're brilliant with the ball, but terrible without the ball. Uh, Glasgow usually are pretty good without the ball, last night being an exception. So you would, it's a logical progression that if you have so many players from one club in the national team, that you would then bring their national coach, who is of the same nationality, into the setup, which means that Dan could very well be. Could next time Glasgow come over, it could well be Dan that's leading the team, if it's this side of the, if it's the far side of the World Cup. Which, to be honest with you, I wouldn't begrudge him. I wouldn't begrudge him that at all. As for replacements, watch as I'd, there is a balancing act that has to be done. You need somebody of the quality of Dan, because remember Dan has coached at international level. Now it's emerging Ireland, but he has gone up against international. And of course, the Irish under twenties where he got the Grand Slam with Eric. In, indeed. And that's the... So you need somebody with that quality and that experience there as well. But what you're also losing with Dan, as the boys raise, is that notion of a link with Connacht traditions, Connacht positions, and knowing how to play in the Connacht way. Now, it doesn't always work, and there's, not, that could be, there's an awful lot of bullshit that surrounds that as well. But if you are going to bring somebody in, what do you lose... What do you, if you gain, bring somebody in with loads of experience, what do you lose in terms of how we play, the peculiarities of playing in, in the west of Ireland, the peculiarities of the mindset of the players. Because to be honest with you, most of the lads are from within a 20, within a 50, 60 mile radius uh, or, you know, or have been here for long enough in the pack. So it's just, it's just going to be interesting what happens. And there are pros and cons of bringing in running within and bringing somebody from without. And the other thing you lose with Dan, William, is that ability to develop a player in a way that I don't see happening with any other coaches in this country to the same degree. Take your time with a player, mould him. Dennis Buckley, he's too small. Well, what do you know? He's turned him into a brilliant loose head. As one example of so many, I don't want to just list them all out, but there are so many forwards. And Mick Carney's looking at him today. And Look, I could go on and on and on, but you miss that big time. And if it's not replaced... Connick missed the edge that they need to gain when they can't go out and buy Fords for 250 grand contracts. Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's a little bit worrying um, that he's looked to move to, to essentially the same job, but there could be a route to something else. Maybe he just feels he needs a challenge, uh, but it's certainly going to be a challenge for Connacht. Uh, this season is in, and, and, and this is linked to, to the Dan McFarlane, this season is slightly in danger of unravelling. And when you're aside on trying to get up, you have to grab it while you can. There's going to be a feeling next September when it all starts again that it's almost like it's going to be another renewal, another back to basics, here we go again, different method. Um, So The timing isn't great, but you can't fault a guy if, if he sees a route to a bigger job. There's even possibly some opportunity to work with the Scottish national team. You don't know. Glasgow and Edinburgh, so, yeah. it's re- it really is linked into Scotland. Yeah, you're not going to have a Matt O'Connor given out about the national manager, a national coach, like you do in Scotland. You know, There's a real harmony there, whereas O'Connor this week was given off about Joe Schmidt and one-way communication. That's not going to happen in Scotland. No, it, it, it's not. And, and they waited a long time to get Vern Cotter, but he looked like a man last Saturday. You might have been thinking, well, I'm glad I'm out of here after the World Cup 
their World Cup is going to revolve around beating Samoa to get into the quarter-finals. If they get into the quarter-finals, it's probably going to be regarded as, as a positive outcome. And do, you know, do you know what makes it worse for Vern Cotter? Uh, even Alan Solomons has been successful now. I mean, to win in Scarlets today, what a result. Uh, like, I'll bring you in first, William, and then Alan on that. What a result. And, you know, two Scottish sides on the verge of the top six, joint sixth is what Edinburgh are right now. I mean, all of a sudden then the pressure comes more on Vern Cotter because people in Scotland can rightly say, well, listen, we should be better than this. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was. I watched a little bit of it. Uh, game turned on a sending off by. Uh, it's a headbutt, apparently. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I, I, did, I didn't know that. Um, well, somebody spotted it, and George Clancy, who I th- it seemed to be, we were watching from a long distance, but it looked like George Clancy's referee, and off he went. That that is a huge. It's a very. It's a good result for us. It's a result I couldn't have seen. I I thought Senecli, but they're. All these teams that are down at the bottom are all operating at the same sort of level and they're all capable of maybe producing a big result like that or also having a dreadful day. And I think Senecli, they'll regard that as a, that's a nightmare performance. All right, well, on the Denmark Ireland final point, like, you know, that restart next season, what it's going to take. And one thing I've noticed from, like, obviously, I chat to a lot of players in this gig, and, and you do too, Dave. And one of the things I noticed, I chatting to Brett Wilkinson, and you talked about what it was like in the Connick setup and how, you know, the amount of talk he has about Dan McFarland. The, the way I can sum this up basically is the board's coach is Dan McFarland. You know, like, yeah, Pat Lamb's the head coach, and yes, his overall word is true, and yes, the philosophy of rugby will be based around Pat Lamb, but when it comes to Ford's play, their coach is Dan McFarland. And, like, so that's a big change. It, it is, but we haven't had a huge turnover of players this year. We've signed most players, so the player, the, the playing staff are still going to be relatively stable, which is this will be the third year in a row, which is quite good, you know. And, and, and it's still quite a young side. There's still there's still a lot of young talent there. Um, I'm slightly disappointed with the signing that we've got because, you know, he hasn't even nailed down his place in the NPC team that I can see. So. You know, he, he, he's not of the same ilk as, as um, Bundyaki. He's not of the same ilk as Tom McCartney. He's not of the same ilk as, as um, Jay Keenan. Jay Keenan. So, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly worried about maybe, you know, we, we just don't have the same pull. Or that's maybe it's money as well. I mean, we've spent a bit. like We have, but we, ha- we don't appear to have re-signed um, Mills. Yeah. And he was costing us a lot of money. You would have thought if he's not being resigned that maybe there's something else. Of course, it's a World Cup year, or so there's, there's not an awful lot of signings going on out there that I can see. Anyway, there's, there's a trickle, trickle of signings, right? You know, every now and again, but nothing, nothing major that I see. I think you know from a Southern Hemisphere signing when he's coming in in September for a preseason, he's obviously not featuring in the NPC, so he's on the lower tier. That doesn't necessarily mean he can't develop into a top-class player by any means, but at the same time, that is the slight concern. It doesn't feel like a blockbuster signing. It's not a blockbuster signing. It is, but he's got. First of all, he's an Auckland number seven, which means he's not terrible. I mean, he's not as good as the player going out. That's that's the first. But that's can only because we've not Auckland, seen him. Sorry, can, we, you say, can you say he's an Auckland number seven when he's going to leave halfway through the MPC season because they don't need him? No, they haven't resigned him. That's 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 up to people in Auckland to let me know whether or not he is. I have no. I think the big problem for us is he is sight unseen as far as we're concerned. 
at least with Bundy you had Super 14 Tom you had Super 14 YouTube clips but I think I think the biggest I think the, the issue that is even if we don't sign Mills is what we tend to forget why we got the bigger these three big signings last year was we also had remember we had a, we had a place left when James Soriano came over for, to see somebody for the weekend and then buggered off again that freed up money because everybody goes on about Craig Clark releasing money well yes but I don't think that was meant to happen James Soriano if, if Fox is more like a Tom McCartney or even or even a or even a, or even a, uh, a Willie signing, I'll take it. And especially if he can stay fit. So I think at seven at the moment, I really don't care if, if he can hold, if he can does the basics of seven and can stay fit. That's a major advantage for us because we just seven seven and twelve are the two most cursed numbers we have right now. But um, in terms of blockbuster signing, no, of course not. But I don't think he's meant to be. I think he's meant to be. The first signings we saw last year were Porter, where, where Porter was signed, and he was not the blockbuster signing. And then we got the names afterwards. So there's a chance that he's the first one of many. We don't know. But you're right about that. There's nobody coming through. But Munster haven't signed anybody for next year. Leinster haven't signed. Ulster, nobody has. The two, the two, the two that have signed are there's a couple. There's one. I think there's a, a Hurricanes number eight has gone into. Um, uh, Edinburgh and Gareth Delve has gone back to the Ospreys that's the only signings I've heard of for next season so don't I wouldn't worry too much about us nobody is signing anybody right now ok well just to finish injuries are a problem Jake Heenan's gone for the season Willie Floon's gone for the season Dave McSharry was announced after press conference gone for the season uh, it really there's a wince from William Nathan White has a really problematic awkward ongoing injury with his back that at least will rule him out until Ulster and we hope we hope he'll come back soon it's just non-stop and Bundiaki's not back yet they're hopeful for next week but I have to be honest just judging by the way he said that I'm not hopeful for next week and I had hoped he'd get some game time but I wasn't in full of confidence in the way Pat Lamb kind of said well we're hopeful yeah, you know, so he's trying to throw a bit of a crumb out. It is. It's look. It's it's the it's the mean end of the season. It's when you absolutely have to do the. We have to start winning games. We're we're in the last chance saloon now. I'm not remotely interested in next Friday night in Gloucester. I couldn't care less. We've got four games left in the Pro 12. We've got to win three of them, minimum, absolute minimum. That might even be enough. So he's going to have to juggle what he has. He's going to have to produce a bit of magic from somewhere, starting with a victory over Ulster in Galway two weeks today. How do we justify the fact that a lot of Connacht fans will be interested? They're going over to watch Gloucester, but genuinely, four people around the table who've been following Connacht for a long time and other stuff, and while we don't want to lose and we'd love to win, it just doesn't register on our radar right now. Three home games, one away game against Ebrey, win three games, we've done something, we've reached a promised land, don't do it, and the season might be just a disappointment at the end. Well, the reason is that that competition doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It just, you know, the only, the only... Lifting a trophy would be good, but you were three steps from that, and one of those steps is a way to a serious premiership, or premiership side. And the second one is a home game, probably, against a team who absolutely walloped us in the, in the previous round. So, you know, <laughs> it just, it, that's not the point. It, the point is that competition means nothing. It's not European. It's European only as in it's to give these teams who are not in the Champions Cup game time while the others are playing in the big stuff and uh, we want to be in the big leagues this, is, this isn't the big this is the little leagues and we're not interested we want, to, we want to get there we've got a huge game against Ulster the following week which is just massive and they start they look as though they're starting to, to, to get fired up now they'll have Tommy Bow back they'll have, have um, Rory Best back 
you know, they, they look relatively good in spots the other night, and they'll look they'll be even better again. They'll have Henderson firing at all cylinders. You know, it's going to be a really tough one for us to do. We've got so many injuries. We've no seven because, um, like, McKeown went out last off tonight, never came back. So you assume he's gone with a head injury. So the only one that even looks like a seven isn't going to be there. It'll be some miracle if we beat Ulster. But hopefully we'll have the fans there and they'll get behind the team. And the one good thing, Alan, though, is the one good thing is you know you'd like to see Robbie Henshaw will be back barring something bad happening in, in training uh, but the Aki could be back and hopefully will be so I'm just hoping he will be they, there's a chance of Nathan White there's still hope in that regard so you get those three guys back you have a bit of hope and you still go into that game in sixth place knowing a one point win and wow we're in a great place yeah, it, but also knowing it's a long shot yeah we're, we're, we're pretty down but we're still in sixth place it's astonishing it's really astonishing. We're, we're this close to the end of the season and we're still in sixth place with everything in our own control, with three home games to come. And the one away game is against Zebra. So, you know, it's, it's really there if, if, you know, if we can throw it out there and get going. Final thoughts. Who wants to go first? Rance. Rance. Oh, I'll have a Rance. Alan's back in. The, the, the sound system in Thomond was brilliant. It wasn't too loud. I could talk to William. I didn't have to shout at William as we do when we're in the sports ground. When they announced stuff, it was at a nice level, at a decent decibel level, not like our own ground. Okay, maybe they have more space to fill and whatever, but you could hear each other talk. It was just great to be able to you know, talk to each other, chat to each other. We were able to turn the recorder on whenever we felt like. We didn't have to wait until the announcer had blared his blaring announcements all over the place. You know, honestly, people can hear things. They don't need to be shouted at. My rant is Connacht aren't streetwise, and Munster are an A to Z of New York streetwise. Um, and it's not so much a rant, but more a, more a begrudging pion to the lost art of Donnacha O'Gallan. Because that man doesn't so much go past the, fo- past the tackler. At one stage, he was holding three guys back, one of whom was Daralida. Daralida was on the wing, and the ruck was five yards behind Donnacha O'Gallan. It was just... It was the ultimate lesson in... Just the dark, dark arts. This man, this man, this this was Faustian in how dark it was, and he got away with it. He didn't have a single penalty called against him, and I hated it, and I hated the fact that they got away with it. But fair play, he's been made a career out of being very, very good at being very, very bad. <laughs> That's beautifully said. And a word for the comic players as he ran off to. He just, he looked across the line he says, I, I own each and every one of you. And Donnacho Callan, as a comic fan, from day one to day the last, you have owned us, so well done, sir. God, he annoys me too, though. <laughs> And that's why they have beaten us again today. Um, just did what they had to do, did it well, and uh, I can't think of anything else to say. I haven't even got a rant. Next week, well, we're going to be back with a podcast from Gloucester. I'll have some audio when I'm over there, and we might get the crew together. We'll talk about what is the biggest quarterfinal since the last European Championship quarterfinal. Ulster's not a quarterfinal, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. It's one of four games we have to win to make sure we actually are in the final next year. Yeah. So technically yeah, it's it like be. a knockout in the Pro 12, but a, a week off. The Eagles will be in Gloucester next weekend. That's it. Thanks for listening, folks.